three, two, one. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Anyone Can Run podcast. The podcast for those brand new to running who want to make sure they begin their journey on the road to Gainesville on the right foot. I am your host, True Bros, a.k.a. Gabe, a.k.a. the King of Anime, and I am an NCCA certified personal trainer who specializes in playing games, making gains, and helping clients reach their health and fitness goals. This is the podcast where we cover nutrition, training, running gear, everything you need to know about what it takes to complete your first race, whether it's a 5K, full marathon, or anything in between. Race day is the culmination of all the time, energy, and effort you've put into your training. If you recall the inaugural episode of this podcast, where I recapped my first race experience at the Walt Disney World 2016 Marathon, I talked about the plethora of mistakes I made during my training and on race day. Today, we're going to recap my second race, which was nine months later, the 2016 Dumbo Double Dare at Disneyland, which was a 10K on Saturday, followed by a half marathon the next day. That half marathon happened to be my future wife's first race, and obviously, the experience of running 13.1 miles beside someone else is completely different than running solo. The one thing I want to emphasize throughout today's episode, and I know I'm giving you the one key takeaway straight in the open, is you learn the most about your physical abilities, how mentally strong you are, how you respond to pain and possible failure, and most importantly, how to bounce back from any setback throughout the entire race training process. And that's why it's a good idea to recap your race day experiences. Before we dive into my actual race recap, I want to emphasize how you should document your training process. I'm able to see how frequently I was running three years ago, my pace, the exact place I was running in, because I document all of my runs in RunKeeper. When I'm going back and digging through these records and maps, it takes me back to not only how physically and mentally I felt, but where I was in my life at that time. Not to get all reflective and philosophical on you, but I think it's of the utmost importance for you to document your runs. There are a litany of free running apps available that track your pace, mileage, and GPS location. I use RunKeeper and Garmin Connect, but the Apple Health app is fantastic. I know tons of runners who swear by Strava and or MapMyRun. There are a bunch of options is what I'm telling you. Find one you like and begin tracking your runs the second you begin training for your first race. Marathon training is the perfect time to make some healthy lifestyle adjustments, and being able to see how far you've progressed is a fantastic method of motivation and instilling self-discipline, as well as strictly monitoring performance improvements. We'll cover this at length when we do an episode on the marathon mentality, which was actually the other name I considered for this podcast. Sidebar on our little podcast name, I opted for anyone can run because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're tackling a full marathon or not. Anyone can get out there and pound the pavement to get stronger, both mentally and physically and live a healthy and fit lifestyle. Anyways, document your runs in progress. And without further ado, let's jump straight into recapping my second race ever, the 2016 Disneyland Dumbo Double Dare. We signed up for a half marathon at Disneyland because at the time, Disneyland offered a few half marathons throughout the year. If you completed a half or full marathon at Disney World and a half marathon at Disneyland in the same calendar year, you could earn a beautiful coast-to-coast medal. The last race at Disneyland was actually the Marvel Superheroes Half Marathon in November of 2017, which was actually the weekend I proposed. A little bit of background on yours truly there. 
I've got tons of pictures of race medals over at, at True Bros and at Anyone Can Run Pod on Instagram. So little shameless plug there for you. All right, now let's really get to the training and race recap. I won't rehash it here, but I pushed myself way too hard during the truncated training time frame for my first marathon, which was in January of 2016. And while I was able to complete the 26.2 miles in 6 hours, 10 minutes, and 46 seconds, I practically limped across the finish line and was barely in the upright position. Not wanting to lose the cardiovascular gains made during my training, I stuck to cycling and elliptical machines for the remainder of January and didn't resume actual running until mid-February, about six weeks later. One of the biggest things I learned during the course of preparing for my first race was learning how to physically tell when I needed to take time off to rest and recover. I could tell not just when my legs were in pain, but when they were tired and worn out, which is not the same as physical pain. Some days, you don't feel like going for a run or lifting weights. And I always refer to those first few minutes as my body quote-unquote waking up. Maybe the legs feel a little achy, but three to five minutes in and I'm feeling normal. Maybe the arms feel a little tired, but I'll bang out a few push-ups and I'm feeling back to normal. That's what I mean when I say you need to wake up sometimes. That being said, when your muscles are worn out, you can absolutely tell. I'm the kind of person who likes to train frequently. We're talking at least six days a week, but as I'm getting older, my legs get worn out more frequently than before. And in training for the Dumbo Double Dare, I finally realized the meaning behind the old adage of train smarter, not harder. Sure, when I was 25, I could run anywhere between three to nine miles every day and feel great, but I was unaware I was creating natural muscular imbalances, and even if I wanted to, there's no way I could bang out eight miles every single day now due to needing rest and my work schedule. By spacing out my runs, gradually increasing mileage, and sticking to an actual training plan, I was able to see gradual progression and not push myself to a point where I was on the cusp of being injured or too worn out to actually get out and run. I believe at the time, I was using the half marathon training plan downloaded from the Run Disney website, which calls for a conditioning run on Tuesdays and Thursdays and a long run on the weekends. And for this race, I began at the actual beginning of the training plan, instead of just jumping in halfway through like I did for my first marathon. If my legs or knees or whatever weren't feeling up to snuff for one of the conditioning runs, I'd swap them out for a slightly longer session on the elliptical to keep the cardio up, as I knew my body was still in the process of getting accustomed to the rigors of running. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The staple of any marathon training or distance training plan is the long run, regardless of your pace. Whatever you do, try not to skip out on any long runs because your body needs to gradually get accustomed to running increasing mileage. Another thing we're going to discuss at length when we cover the marathon mindset or mentality, which may just have to be next week's episode considering how many times I've referred to it, is accountability and discipline. I'm the kind of person who really likes working out on their own. All I need is a goal in the not-too-distant future, keyword there is not-too-distant, and I'm off to the races. But not everyone's mind works that way. My now wife absolutely would not go out and train unless I was there with her, so I adjusted my training schedule for this race to ensure we could knock out every run together. I don't say this to have you think, oh, True Bros is such a great training partner. I mean to emphasize, you need to find out what works for you. If being surrounded by people is what you need to get out there and help you log your miles, drive to a park even if you've got perfectly fine roads around you. Don't make things more difficult on yourself. Find out what makes you enjoy and actually look forward to working out and then prioritize whatever that is. 
Training for the Dumbo Double Dare went a lot smoother than my first race because of the aforementioned changes, and reducing the volume of running really helped me feel stronger and better prepared for this one. It also probably helped I was able to actually run in the month leading up to it. I asked the wife which race she felt most prepared for in preparation for today's episode, and she said the one we're covering today, as we had nearly nine months to train and stuck to our training plan as best as we were physically able. Another quick sidebar, many large race organizers will have some sort of quote-unquote challenge race, where you run multiple races in multiple days. I'd strongly advise against running a challenge race for your first half or full marathon so you can focus on crossing that finish line, but there's no harm in tackling a challenge for your second race once you have that first race experience under your belt. I was running the 10k solo, and then we had an action-packed day at the Disneyland Resort planned for after the race, so I figured I'd take it nice and easy, right? Call me Usher because I'm taking it nice and slow. I remember feeling good and catching myself running way too quickly, something like an 8-minute mile, when the wife and I planned to run around a 12-minute mile or so the next day. So I slowed down, and while I felt I was running too slow, when tackling a challenge race, you've got to pace yourself. It's very easy to get caught up in all the excitement on race day, the bumping music, everyone in their costumes looking ready to run, the spectators who line up to motivate a couple individuals they know and thousands of strangers, but it's important to stick to your game plan. Always stick to what brought you to the dance, and I know you've heard me say it on practically every episode, but don't try anything new on race day. If you run faster than your body is accustomed to, not only do you risk wearing yourself out quickly, but possibly cramps or something else. Once I slowed down, both physically and mentally, learning from my mistakes from my first race, I began to soak in the environment. It was a truly awesome experience, running through the Disneyland Resort and streets of Anaheim with the sun slowly coming up, people lining the streets and cheering, and I felt incredibly strong, which is how you want to feel when you're running a race for the entire duration of it. But a mile in, I needed to use the facilities. Sometimes you just got to take that pit stop. If you remember the second episode of Anyone Can Run, where I dove deep into the pros and cons of running a Run Disney race, one of the most annoying things about these races is the lack of restrooms at the start corrals, which isn't fun when you're waiting nearly 30 minutes or so to cross the starting line. Despite feeling strong, I needed to take a break, so I passed a few porta potties with insanely long lines and then picked the shortest line I could because no matter what, I could not run another step. I waited in line for legit 15 minutes. I had Runkeeper going, so it was naturally being timed, and afterwards I knew I wasn't going to break my goal of running the 10k in less than an hour. It's not a terribly big deal, because when you sign up for these multi-race challenges, your goal should always be to finish every race in the upright position, not set PRs for every single race. I continued chugging along the rest of the 10k, and it was pretty uneventful. I took it easy ran the duration of the six miles instead of alternating between the run-walk method because I knew I was going to do that the next day, and I finished it in approximately one hour and five minutes. In reviewing the RunKeeper data, it says I completed 6.43 miles, and it's possible I may have started RunKeeper early. It was nearly three years ago, so I'll readily confess my recollection is a little foggy. Regardless, I know I felt good, completed the race, secured my medal, went back to the hotel to shower, change, and prepare for a day at the beautiful Disneyland Resort. 
The wife and I love Disney. We got married at Disney's Polynesian Resort at Walt Disney World, but after completing four run Disney races, two at Walt Disney World and two at Disneyland, we've never quite figured out how to orient a visit to the various theme parks around our races. Like I mentioned during our first episode, I stayed up late and went drinking the night before my first marathon, which was not one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. The day before this race was slightly, keyword there, slightly smarter, but we still stayed up incredibly late visiting Cars Land, riding rides, and munching on pizza at downtown Disney. I implore you to go back into the archives and listen to our nutrition episode and to learn from my mistakes. Avoid pizza, anything heavy with dairy, or that's super greasy in the days leading up to a race. Because odds are, you will not feel at the top of your game come race day. This half marathon was the first race where my stomach was bothering me for the duration of the course. And I can 100% attribute this to my boneheaded nutritional decisions the day before. Truth be told, it took until my fourth race for me to actually make intelligent nutritional decisions before race day. But this is what I mean when I say you learn the most about yourself not only throughout the course of your training, but on race day. For my second race, I was more physically and mentally prepared. As knowing I was tackling a half as opposed to the full 26.2 I completed earlier in the year certainly helped my confidence. We planned to complete this race using the run-walk method of 5 minutes running at an approximate 12 minute per mile pace and then walking for a minute at a leisurely speed. We knew we'd be able to complete the mileage as we trained rigorously and also because I wanted to ensure she didn't make the same mistakes I did during training for my first race. We took time off when necessary, foam rolled and iced extensively and occasionally even used ankle support braces if our joints were bothering us. Also, considering the mental breakdown I had at mile 17 of my first race, I wanted my life partner to have someone there for moral support for her first race to ensure she didn't go through a similar experience. I know I've said it multiple times, but I'm trying to really hammer it home. You learn so much about what works and what doesn't during a marathon training cycle. Use that knowledge to train both smarter and harder for any subsequent races. On race day, things went pretty smooth. We ran at a pace that was comfortable enough to have a conversation, which we did pretty much for the duration of the race. I strongly advise any new runner tackling their first race, train at a pace that's comfortable enough to carry on a conversation throughout all of your runs for the entire duration of them. Due to the plethora of mistakes I made during the build-up to and during my first marathon, I ensured my future wife would benefit from that knowledge. What I did learn throughout the course of training for and on the race day for the Dumbo Double Dare, and this may be a bit too philosophical for some of y'all, but I think it's important to discuss, is how my focus on running impacts not just my relationship, but those around me. It was about two months after this race, I ended up obtaining my NCCA personal training certification, and the 2016 Dumbo Double Dare was a catalyst for that decision. When I train clients, I'm always very aggressive and firm, but always supportive and reassuring because as with anything, your communication needs to be catered to your audience and how they are going to respond best. Like I covered during our inaugural episode, I'll never forget what it felt like to mentally want to quit at mile 17 of my first race. It was an eye-opening moment and one of the most pivotal experiences of my life. However, 
I have a very aggressive personality when it comes to work, fitness, and pretty much anything else other than my everyday demeanor. So this fight or flight type response was very positive for me. However, there is no way in hell that aggressive mentality was going to work with my future wife. So I'd give gentle pushes and words of encouragement to help her focus on maintaining her pace, take water and carbs when necessary, and I'd also pry to ensure she was doing physically okay. Because even though our personalities are different, I know dang well she'd push through any pain just like I did during my first race instead of making necessary adjustments. Running this race with a partner helped me stay accountable and focused because I wanted to ensure she finished strong, just like we both did throughout the duration of our training. I'm never going to be that person who tells you, oh, every couple needs to work out together and rise and grind and blah, 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 because I absolutely enjoy working out myself. But I'm also a certified personal trainer and was an athlete many, many moons ago in college and have that established relationship with fitness already. However, if you're in a relationship and want to have that accountability from someone you trust and want to get on that road to Gainesville together, there's no harm in signing up for a race and making sure one another crosses that finish line in the upright position. Whatever you do, remember you aren't doing this to compete. Your only competition is yourself and your goal is to knock out your first race and make some fundamental life changes to live healthy and fit. If you don't have a significant other, a group of friends, or family members, or anyone who can serve as that in-person accountability buddy, pop local running clubs into your Google machine, and odds are you'll come up with a multitude of results. It's true, running is primarily a solo sport, but if you know your personality and you need to have someone there with you to help you push through those tough times, there's no harm in forming or joining a running team. And really, if you don't know what makes you want to get out and run or what helps you push yourself a little harder, you're going to find out over the course of training for your first race, so don't worry. To me, a race experience is all about learning and making memories, and the Dumbo Double Dare is still one of the races I look back on most fondly. The course itself was pretty neat. The first three miles or so were through the Disneyland Resort, then we proceeded through the city streets of Anaheim, which had various school bands, music groups, car clubs, and well-wishers scattered throughout the course. We then actually ran through the Anaheim Angel Stadium, which was a pretty unique experience. But for some reason, the stretch of the course I remember most was running through a large water drain slash ditch, the kind you'd recognize from Terminator 2. It wasn't anything special, right? You've seen one big city drain, you've seen them all. But to this day, running along that dirt-lying path with dozens of our fellow runners is something we always look back on and laugh about. Probably because we didn't expect a run Disney course to run through one, but hey, not every course can be through the massive Disney World Resort and be self-contained and manicured. I know this race recap isn't rife with painful lessons learned, and that's kind of the point. After going through the grueling experience of training for my first marathon we covered on the first episode, I learned from my mistakes and made sure not to repeat them. I also made sure my running partner benefited from those lessons because that's just what you do. What I learned more about throughout the course of this race experience was what it's like to run with a partner, where your focus is split between not only listening to your body, adjusting as necessary, and constantly pushing forward, but also reading your partner to make sure they're able to do the same. And if you're in need of extra motivation to take it everything a step further or knock out another mile or two, you have someone right there by your side to provide it. 
Additionally, this was my second race ever, a destination race with my future wife at Disneyland. So obviously, this was going to be a combination of a half marathon and a vacation. My tendency to view the run Disney races as a check mark on our vacation, same thing as riding rides, going to fancy dinners, etc., adversely impacted my performance on race day, as I was not getting enough sleep, nor was I fueling myself correctly in the days leading up to it. Unfortunately, this wasn't a lesson I learned to adhere to until a couple races later, but it's changed my perspective from just viewing race day as the day I need to be dead set on my physical and nutritional needs. Now, I view the entire week leading up to the race as a time for recovery and preparation. In hindsight, I think because this training and race experience was such a marked improvement overall from my first marathon, I didn't have any nagging injuries, I felt strong from beginning to end, my pace improved considerably, it caused those lessons I just mentioned to not really sink in. And as a result, for the next few races I was eating poorly, staying up late, having alcohol in the days leading up to a race. We'll cover my next race, the 2017 Dopey Challenge down the road. And I'm here to tell you that was easily the most difficult and educational experience I've ever had on a marathon course. And I absolutely cannot wait to take it on again in 2020. A race is absolutely the culmination of your hard work, time, and dedication. But it's also one of the most useful learning experiences you have at your disposal. Not just as a runner, but as a healthy and fit individual. Like I just mentioned, it took four races or so for me to realize that my mental approach to race day, despite knowing full well I could complete the mileage, was flawed because I wasn't viewing my body as my most valuable asset, which it absolutely is. Your physical and mental health and strength go hand in hand. And since I keep harping on the mental approach to races, next week we'll cover what I deem to be the single most important thing you can learn and develop as a new runner, the marathon mindset. I appreciate you spending some time with me today, and I hope you're seeing what I see, that truly anyone can run. We drop a new episode of the Anyone Can Run podcast every Monday, in case you're in need of that Monday motivation, and yours truly drops a new video on YouTube and accompanying post over at TrueRose.com every workout Wednesday, where we're covering food, travel, gaming, tech, and all types of wild stuff in between. We also like to open the Twitch gym, located at twitch.tv slash Live randomly, so be sure to follow and turn on notifications if you ever want to talk running or anything else with me in real time. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Anyone Can Run podcast. And if you do, you can rate, review, like, share, and subscribe. If you didn't enjoy it well, you get what you pay for. And regardless, I look forward to seeing you out there on the road to Gainesville.